All right, what's up, fanatics? Believe it or not, basketball season just around the corner, and today my annual sit-down with Iowa State head coach T.J. Otzelberger to preview the upcoming season. We do a lot on the newcomers. Figure you guys are going to want to know about that and some of the process in getting this team ready. I thought it was really fascinating. We, we followed up. Dots, we'll, we'll tell you about it, but some really interesting stuff on sideline demeanor and stuff like that. Uh, presenting sponsor today, if you're an Iowa State basketball fan, you want to listen to this. Uh, my friends at The Cellular Advantage are opening a brand new store in Ames. It's coming up this Friday from 3.30 to 5.30 where Ashley Jones, Caleb Grill, and Robert Jones are going to be there. They're going to have a food truck, food, beverages. It's going to be quite the event. I think I'm going to stop by as well. If you're heading to town to tailgate, anything like that for the big weekend, huge game against Baylor, the Cellular Advantage, they are opening a brand new store. They're having their ribbon cutting, and Ashley Jones, Caleb Grill, and Robert Jones will be there signing autographs, taking pictures, all of that good stuff. This storefront is located at 705 24th Street in Ames. Again, that's 705 24th Street in Ames. That is the Cellular Advantage, their grand opening ribbon cutting coming up on Friday afternoon. With that, here's my one-on-one with Iowa State head coach, TJ Otzelberger. All right, guys. Uh, did We're getting, believe it or not, I know it's football season, but... I always look at October 1st, and that's kind of the unofficial start of basketball, as well as we'll start having media days and all that. And I wanted to get Coach Otzelberger on with us here on the podcast before things started to get too crazy. So, TJ, real quick. So, practice actually starts for the team next week, correct? And then it's just kind of on, and you're in, like, season mode. Is that accurate? Yeah, we start Monday, uh, the 26th of September, and uh, we're allowed at that point up to 20 hours a week. So, That's when our process really gets going. Certainly, we've done a lot this summer and this fall leading in. Uh, But even for our guys, you know, when you have that first official day of practice, there's a different feel. Uh, Everybody has that excitement that the season is soon approaching. What What's the difference? I guess is it how much basketball do you do with the guys prior to September 26th? Yeah, for us prior to, it's not as much time on the court. There's certainly time on the court for basketball. Um, and then there's also opportunities to, to review film and, um, you know, just have conversations. Uh, when you're trying to, you know, put a group together with a lot of new pieces, which we did last year and we're going to be tasked with again this year, it's also important to understand how those guys see themselves and learn their strengths. And those are some of the things we really try to do before practice starts. But the court time and the ability to, you know, to, to meld it all together, you know, that, that process really begins on the 26th. Okay. I, I want to talk a little bit about roster composition I think it's fascinating. I mean, I, I've, I know that I know your philosophies quite well, but I also know you well enough to know that you have to be able to adjust. And it just seems like everything's different now with the portal, NIL, all that stuff. Has your philosophy on how you want this response? And I'm talking like a mix of high school transfer, JUCO, whatever, right? How has your philosophy changed over maybe the last five years since you've been a head coach, just, you know, adapting to the times? Well, I would say that, 
you know, you look at each year as a, as a new challenge and that there was such a thing at a point in time where you would sit and put a roster on the board and say, Hey, what are we looking for in 2024 or down the road? And now it's, it's really being mindful of putting the best team together you can for that season and then doing the same thing the next year. So we're going to continue to be open-minded to all the avenues to get like the right guys to play for us. I've said this a bunch and I'll keep saying it. Like we want guys who want to be at Iowa state that love the cyclones that view this as an amazing opportunity that it is. And that could come in high school guys that could come in transfers. Uh, Certainly these first two years uh, we've had more transfers and we felt Uh, That was necessary to get the right guys on the roster to play with the type of pride and passion and enthusiasm we need to play with to restore our program and uh, to make our fans proud. And so this, this, as we enter year two, uh, there's certainly some similarities of what we did last year that way. Um, And yet at the same time, now we have a freshman class with three guys that we recruited that we can develop. And I think that's certainly the strength of our coaching staff is to develop young talent over time. So it's exciting to have three freshmen in our program. And then even as we move forward to continue to add on. So um, we know that year in and year out, you have to be ready to adapt and you have to embrace it and be excited about it, which we are. And at the same time to build a sustainable long-term program product that we're going to build here, you're still going to hang your hat on developing, you know, the talent that comes out of high school over time. Do you, do you develop your coaching staff differently now? And, and hear me out when I ask this. So like, you know, back in the day, I, I mean, we would, as Cyclone fans, we would watch a guy for five years and you just, that was the anticipation. They're going to be there for five years. Now it seems like, even for the blue blood programs in the spring, you're replacing anywhere from three to six guys, right? It's just different. You have to build chemistry differently. Do you, do you have to build a staff differently, I guess, to adapt to that, you know, this era of college basketball? You do. I mean, you have to have coaches on your staff that embody the, the core values and traits they're important in your program, which, you know, for us, it's the work habits, the family value, the chip on the shoulder. All those things have to be present in your staff. But now you've got to have guys that are always thinking a step ahead. Uh, you have to have a staff that's mindful of everything that's going on a daily basis in your program, but also outside of your program, because there's, you know, there's information that that is out there. And even with the transfer portal, information starts traveling around Christmas or just beyond the start of the second semester of, you know, you're talking to AAU coaches and high school coaches about prospects that you're recruiting. And now it's become more commonplace as they're bringing up, Hey, and don't forget, I coached this guy two years ago. He's at school, such and such. Uh, He may be looking to move after the season for one reason or another for us. You know, we really like the guys that um, you know, that have shown a track record of production that we feel like will translate immediately to our program. But it's, again, it's those same values. And and so our coaches and how we put our staff together, they've got to really work collaboratively to share those ideas and be very aware of things going on outside our program so that we're always, you know, we're on the, on the front line, if you will, of, of when those type of situations transpire. Make a few moves in the off season where D Rob gets the head coaching job at Cleveland state uh, go Vikings. You you promote Schmitty from within, and I, 
Schmidt reminds me a little bit of a young you, I guess, just in that sense, like he, he seems like a really good relationships guy. What, what, why did you decide to promote from within as opposed to, you know, there's, I'm sure hundreds of people would have loved to come and join this staff. Well, Nate, uh, you know, coach Schmidt has the, the work habits and the values, his relationships, like you said, with the players, uh, even though that he's not always a guy that, um, is extremely outgoing. He's somebody that the players know he's credible. He knows what he's talking about. He cares about them. He invests in them. Um, they know how important it is to him. And so he's just, he's had these great experiences in the NBA and junior college and other positions. I think that helps qualify him. Uh, he was very impactful to the success we had last season. We saw that, um, you know, he was, he was a guy that we count on every day. Uh, and to me, you know, he loves Iowa State. He loves his program. He knows what type of players we're looking for. He was very involved at the development of guys like George Niang and Monte Morris and, and you know, some of the most, you know, storied players to play here, especially in, you know, in recent times. So he knows what it means. He knows Iowa State. He's a, a terrific fit. And he's done an unbelievable job in a short period of time on the recruiting trail when, you know, we needed to go to the transfer portal and he was somebody that had some key relationships in place that were really impactful right away. You get another Greg McDermott guy from that tree and Eric Crawford as well as director of player development. What does that mean? What does is, what is Crawford do? A guy who Iowa State fans are familiar with. We've seen him here. We've seen him at Northern Iowa. What, what is like a daily, uh, what's a day like for him? Well, Crawford is extremely intelligent, especially on the offensive side, where he's able to help guys from a player development standpoint is ask open-ended questions of them and give them clear directives in terms of things they can do to play better, things they can do on a daily basis to incorporate better work habits. Um, you know, just his ability as a player, you know, he's a terrific player, took you and I to three straight NCAA tournaments. He knows what it's like to be in the position a lot of these guys are in. And he's somebody that uh, is extremely intelligent and direct uh, in terms of putting them in position to be successful. And as we evaluated the strengths of our staff and, you know, where we needed to be, we thought that Eric's uh, intelligence and experience on the offensive side and his ability from a player development standpoint to put guys in position offensively to be successful be a huge asset for our program. All right. I want to go through the, the team here and specifically get some stuff on the newcomers. But you, you did a, a town hall with our premium subscribers last week, and we stumbled onto something that you and I have talked about a lot in, in private before. And I just think it's fascinating. I think we should get it out there and have the conversation about sideline demeanor, okay? Um there's this thought out there and like, we want a technical, right? The, the fans, fans want the, the coach to get after the official and that it's going to psychologically impact the team in a positive way uh, down the stretch. We had one of our subscribers ask you last week, and I thought you get a phenomenal answer and I wanted to follow up about, you, I mean, you are, you're not a chill human being. I, I know this, like you stand there with your arms crossed and, but you're very intense. Like you're not, your your blood pressure is very high at these points, I can tell. But you you don't we don't see you yell a lot. We don't see you be demonstrative in the sense that you're, you know, doing the charge sign like and jumping out on the court like we see other guys do. Where does this come from? What is your strategy in that? For us, everything that we do in our program is very intentional 
to put our team in the best position to be successful and win basketball games. Uh, when I was a head coach at South Dakota State and had my first opportunity, uh, I was very demonstrative on the sideline. I was very uh, – I reacted to officials' calls. I reacted to plays from our players. Uh, I would be on the court often uh, ranting and raving. And what I remember, I was doing some self-reflection about our team uh, after Christmas. I was going through and watching the games, and I'm like – you know, why doesn't our team play with more poise and confidence down the stretch? Why sometimes does a call an official make, you know, our players react to it? And and now that takes them out of their game. And then, you know, again, the thing I've learned about leadership over time is that people are watching your actions far more than they're listening to your words. So the reason that we've made a very calculated uh, decision with a lot of data points, a lot of research, and a lot of thought into it is that my sideline demeanor is is meant for a couple things. Number one, for our guys to play with uh, great confidence and poise to know what they're getting from me and what they're going to see from their coach. Number two, it's not reacting to officials' calls. It's not uh, complaining, whining. Uh, it's it's absolutely understanding there's going to be calls that are made, and we're going to move forward positively regardless of that. And then I think third is – um, you know, there's a confidence and command. I want our guys to know that I have at all times. But from what I've studied and officials I've talked to, ahead of officials in our league, that when you uh, when you communicate effectively, I think you you understand better how things how you need to coach your team to be successful. And there's this this misnomer out there that you know, like like last week, like somebody had mentioned, like being more of a mellow, like. I've never had anyone use the word mellow uh, and, and related to me. I would say intentional, intense, uh, details, all those things, right? Like I'm somebody that thinks I can outwill every situation. But we've made that decision for a reason, and we believe that things go our way, you know, more so. So like devil's advocate, why would you get a technical? You want your team to play harder. I don't think that was an issue for us last year. I don't think anybody that watched us play any yeah. possession said, coach better get a technical. These guys aren't playing hard. I also know our team and their psyche and they need to see me command, you know, have that command and composure in those moments. They get confidence from me being confident. And when I'm doing that, uh, I think it's such a fallacy that because you get a technical foul that calls are going to go your way or refs are going to change their calls. We have the best officials in the league. And if anything, if I were going to err on a side, I'd say when you do that, I think there's more officials out there than not that may, it may go against you. And so the margins are so important. Winning so important. We're making very detailed decisions in the best interest of winning games. Did you have to, this reminds me of like, like a, like a swear jar, right? Every time somebody cusses, you have to put a dollar in the swear jar. Was that, did you have to like remind yourself this? Cause you said you were demonstrative at South Dakota state as you're in this transition that you're talking about. Like, did you catch yourself and be like, Hey, knock it off. Right. Like how did you get to the point where we, you're the man that we saw last year? Well, it's, you really have to be, you know, practice. Like I said, as corny as it sounds, if you're going to go practice a speech, you might talk into a mirror or, you know, different things to prepare yourself. So it's preparing outside of the games for that. It's how I respond in practice every day, training myself to do it that way. And in the end, 
we've made the decision that's in the interest of winning. If you know me, you know how competitive I am and how much winning every decision we make is going to be uh, directly correlated with our ability to be successful. And so ultimately it's, um, hey, get control, have self-control because you'll win more. That's it. And like make that quick adjustment. It doesn't need to be something where I catch myself. It needs to be just a complete cold turkey shift. Uh, and that's what we did. And and I would I would tell everybody that, you know, again, I'll use the Wisconsin game. It was 14 to 6 in the foul count at halftime. Mm-hmm. You could say, hey, get a T. This, you know what, we could have been down four or five at half had I got a T in the first half. And now the officials maybe are coming out after halftime saying, you know what, if he loses his cool again, we're sending him home. You never know what's going to happen, but I needed to keep our team composed. I need to keep us right where we were within striking distance. And I also felt confident in the officiating crew that that it would come around for us. And it did. And and I would say to anybody, if you really watch that game, if you look at our team's composure and ability to stay the course, that game came around to us in that last four minutes based on our togetherness and our composure. All right, let's go through the roster here because there are a lot of new guys that a lot of our audience is probably going to want some some insight on. The first one is, uh, I'm just going to kind of go numerically here, I guess, but Trey King, you get him mid-year last year. Now, we won't see him in a Cyclone uniform until second semester this year. Comes from Eastern Kentucky, 6'7". Um, talk to us about him because you, you had the ability last year to be pretty choosy, I know, with scholarships and who you would take. To go ahead and take a guy mid-year like that, you must have seen something you really liked. Well, Trey has unbelievable character. I mean, tremendous young man. Um, he's, he's a guy that wants to do what the coach asks. He wants to do right. He wants to help the team win. Uh, somebody that we see some, some characteristics where he can be a very impactful rebounder, give us another physical presence on the interior. Somebody when he's, uh, you know, when he's getting, you know, pocket passes and bounce passes leading towards the rim that he can finish with force, uh, a great offensive rebounder. And so, and, and the versatility. So Trey was someone, as we looked at, even last year, you know, for us to enhance the quality of practice, to give us somebody that has some attributes that other Big 12 frontline players have that we could practice against every day, he can learn our program, we can learn him, and be put in a great position when he comes eligible 10 games into the season this year. Eli King might be my favorite prospect. I, just, I've, I watched him a lot in high school because you guys got him uh, before his senior year. I don't know. He he feels to me like a guy who could be one of those next um, really popular Cyclones who's here for four years that people get to watch grow up in the program. He probably wants to be in the pros. Hopefully that's the case, but I'm excited about him. Are you sure there's not an innate bias because you're from Clarinda and he's from Caledonia? <laughs> that's, why I, no, that's why I like him. Small town kid. <laughs> I, I love him. I can relate to him. I like him a lot. Well, uh, no, Eli's terrific. He's a uh, very That's why I like Grill, who, too. Grills the same yeah. way. Eli's a guy out there. Um, you know, he he knows how the game's supposed to go. Somebody that wants to make the right play has always been a guy with uh, has able to make plays for his teammates. Uh, is a terrific athlete and anticipator defensively, and rebounds extremely well for a, a guard. Uh, Eli, right now, like all freshmen, there's going to be a transition period, right? Where you, it's the physical play, it's the daily routine. 
uh, everything that's going on out there. And there's, there's days out there where Eli um, has great moments where he's able to make plays for his teammates. We always say in our, you know, with our coach meetings, he knows how to take a possession from good to great. When the ball's on the move and he gets to attack a closeout, he lives in the lane and he's got, you know, he's a good finisher as well as he makes right decisions. Um, but to your point earlier, I think with Eli, he's somebody that's going to continue to get better because of how he works every day. And he's in the mix as a freshman, which is a huge credit to him. But as he continues to move forward, he's going to be someone our fans really, really love watching. And then, I mean, you coached his brother to a little background when you were at South Dakota State, so you knew the family. I mean, if I remember correctly, this was kind of a no-brainer. You got the job, and you're like, I want to identify this kid because I know he'd fit to what I'm wanting to build here. Yeah, there's all, already been a trust. I mean, I've known Eli since he's been a sixth or seventh grader by virtue of coaching his brother Owen, uh, you know, and so that's a very important thing. And then just seeing their family, how they work, uh, you know, they're, you know, the sons, the dad has a construction company. So his sons are, uh, they're doing hard labor, man, you know, labor work in the summers in the sun. Mm. And I think that builds some great work habits and, and there's some humility and gratitude that comes with that. So had a really good idea. Knew Eli was a, you know, a terrific basketball talent, but had an even better idea how he'd work every day and improve in his time here. Well, so we'll hit on these newcomers and then get to the, Guys coming back, if we have some time, Lipsy, Taman Lipsy, uh, the pride of AIM, 6'1". Uh, just an elite athlete is what I really know about him. What is he like so far as a basketball player? Very cerebral, uh, a guy that from an offensive standpoint, he really thinks about other people. He keeps the game simple. He moves the basketball. He gets guys shots. He doesn't put himself in tough situations. Um, he's he's got a point guard feel and mentality uh, and a command of the game beyond being a freshman. On the defensive side, he really takes pride and pressure in the basketball. He can get up and hawk the other team's point guard, give them fits. Uh, he's relentless. He's physical. Uh, he's got good lateral quickness, toughness. Uh, so he's somebody that again he's been a. a you know, a pleasant surprise for us in terms of as a freshman, what he's contributed already to our summer and fall workouts. So, uh, you know, like Eli, another guy in the mix at this point for playing time as a freshman, which it's a credit to how he's worked before he, he got here, but also a credit to him for what he's doing on a daily basis. Demarion Watson looks like an NBA player. I've never seen him play basketball in person. When I look, just look at his body type, TJ, he looks like a, he's a, just kind of a different dude, a different level. Where, where is he at thus far? Hell for Demarion to your point. I mean, being six, six and a half, six, seven with a seven foot plus wingspan. Uh, he's a terrific mover. He had a track background. He slides his feet. Well, he sprints the court. Well, uh, it's just, there's a flow to how he does things. Uh, and he didn't pick up basketball till later on. So almost like, you know, somebody that would look at your golf game and see all the bad habits that you have and, and why you stink at golf. We're looking at a guy that didn't develop those bad habits, started playing later, had great coaching and is on a tremendous climb. He's uh, offensively a guy that, uh, he can knock down shots. He can be a great cutter and finish around the goal. He can offensive rebound as a bigger as a bigger wing. Uh, and then defensively, he's got great versatility. He's very strong. Uh, he's put on a ton of weight since he's been here. He's right around 210 oh, wow. right now. 
which is which is tremendous, and he gives us some defensive versatility. So, uh, again, in the mix for playing time, a guy that impact can impact the game in a lot of ways with a tremendous ceiling and upside. Jaron Holmes, and I, I'm going to learn his name at some point, Osun, Osunyi. You get these guys from St. Bonaventure, which I think is kind of cool because they come in and there's already some chemistry built, but that aside, I mean, those two guys are going to be playing a lot this year. Holmes, by the way, TJ, I know you know this, but he's got like a Niang type of personality. Naz, like he, he's he has a very contagious personality throughout the community. As I've seen him and done a couple events with him, like wow, like what what a gift to get a guy like that. Well, you use you know the guys like Niang or Naz, some of the guys that really mean a lot to me over time and knowing those guys. And so it's high praise to put Jaron in that category, but he is that guy every single day. He's that guy in practice. He's that guy when we're conditioning, he's that guy. If he's to bump into you at a restaurant or the mall, he's that guy when he does a community event, he's, he brings tremendous enthusiasm, uh, energy and excitement uh, with a positive outlook on everything that he does. And he's, he's really had a, a major impact on our program this summer. Uh, he's a leader uh, that that's an eight. He's somebody from a basketball standpoint. Uh, he's multifaceted. He's a guy that thinks about his teammates, but he also can score the ball. He's a good passer playmaker, just very complete on the offensive side. And he's, he's a physical guard, a guy that, you know, he rebounds in traffic. He comes up with loose balls. He finishes through contact. And so, you know, Jaron's um, you know, he's probably been the guy uh, that has come into our program as a newcomer and had an immediate impact on everything every day in a positive manner. Um, You know, as, as we look at Shun, Oshun, Oshuni, which John Walters is, he's got that thing down and we're all working that. Okay. You know, like in many ways. I'm no John John Walters, as you know. So give me a, give me a few months here. Yeah, no, that's fine. You'll never be the half the man that John (laughs) is, but you can continue, you know, striving for greatness. But what I'd say with Shun is like, a guy at 6'10", you know, he's two-time A-10 defensive player of the year. So he's, he's certainly got shot blocking, uh, defensive rebounding. He's, he's done a great job with that. And we'll continue to lean into that skill set. For him, offensively, you know, he's, he's going to be able to expand his game. Now, whether that's, you know, driving the ball from the perimeter, knocking down a shot, making a play in traffic, uh, he's got a lot of offensive versatility. Somebody that... Um, you know, his motor and, and having him, you know, play with the high motor and flying around, blocking shots, rebounding is going to be, a, a, you know, an impact guy in, you know, in the Big 12 and, and non-league play ahead of time. So thankful to have those guys. Like you said, them having an understanding of each other, a synergy and that ability to communicate, it helps immensely as well. And Really grateful to have them both here with us. The last two, as far as newcomers go, are Ward and Williams uh, transfers as well. Uh, Ward, one of the really one of the top shot blockers in the country the last year, and then Jeremiah Williams, who I I really like him. I I watched a lot of his tape from Temple, and I I feel like he's going to fit really well, especially what you like to do defensively but man i mean you got a couple of ace defenders here with these guys well hassan um you know he wasn't able to be here due to some uh passport and immigration things uh so he missed uh first four or five weeks or whatever it was of the summer 
Um, but he was able to get here at the end of the summer. He's been here probably about eight weeks or whatever it's been now. He's put on like 20 pounds of muscle. Wow. I mean, when you think about wow. work habits, uh, discipline, commitment to his nutrition, hydration, sleep, all of it, like from what I've seen from Hassan Ward, he's the guy that says, whatever the job is, count on me to step up and I'm going to get the job done. And he's, he's done that over and over. Um, uh, prolific athlete, uh, a guy who he's played mostly the five, but has also played the four. And we're going to keep transitioning to him into that four position. Feel like that's something well within his range. Um, a guy that, I mean, terrific offensive rebounder, awesome cutter. He's got great hands to finish. And then defensively, you mentioned his, his shot blocking as well. And ironic that him and Oshun, you know, both coming from the A-10, you know, probably two best shot blockers and two guys in some respects competing for that defensive player of the year. Uh, and then, as you mentioned with Jeremiah, you know, Jeremiah brings a tremendous skill set and strengths, very cerebral, intelligent player, sees it a step ahead. You know, like it's one thing to dribble the ball over the half court and call yourself a point guard. It's another thing when you know how the game's supposed to go and then you make it go how you need it to go. Uh, tremendous passer with both hands, plays downhill, uh, great decision maker, a guy that's always been a high assist, low turnover guy. And then defensively, a high steals rate guy, somebody that has anticipation, has positional size and length at 6'4", with, you know, with good wingspan. So, uh, and, and his personality is terrific as well. He's always got a smile on his face, just a great young man. So when I look at the makeup of your roster, I mean, it looks to me like this will be another team that stylistically looks a lot like what we saw last year where really gritty, toughness, defense. Um, it doesn't look like you're going to be scoring in the 90s. Um, what? How do you anticipate this, like, evolving over the next, say, five years? Like, is this – is this like what Iowa State basketball is or will we see – because one of the things I give you a lot of credit for last year, you come in and you go, we're not going to have the talent, we're not going to have the firepower to score in the 80s and win, so we want to ugly this thing up and this is what we're going to do. It looks like that type of a roster again this year. H how does that evolve? Or is that a question that you simply can't answer because it will depend on you know, the type of talent that you can get your hands on? Well, as you mentioned last year, we, we looked at a very specific winning formula for our team uh, that was derived in doing effort-based things better than everybody else, right? Pressure the ball, take charges, sprint the floor, rebound, dive for loose balls, help each other on defense. Uh, and those are things that we were able to put in play uh, night in and night out. Our guys did a terrific job of that. And and again, we, we aimed first and foremost – we wanted to restore pride. We wanted to let people know that, you know what, every night out, like you're in for a fight with us, and, and we think we're better uh, fundamentally and effort-wise every night than the teams that we're playing against, and that's going to be our identity. There's going to be a lot of that again this season. Uh, there's certainly, as you even mentioned, as we went through the individual players and profiles, a lot of guys that have proven things defensively and are looking to continue improving from a development standpoint offensively. And, and so we've got even more length, even more interior, uh, you know, bodies and physical presence. 
uh, rim protection, things along those lines. So we're going to be a team heavy rooted in our defensive identity. I'd say that we're going to try to take a step forward from a rebounding standpoint, uh, offensively and defensively, having that be score more points uh, on the offensive glass, score more points at the foul line uh, because we're relentless in the paint. And then, you know, aim to turn people over and be more efficient scoring off those turnovers, even than we were last year. So when you look at what what is the strength of this team and what can we be and how do we win the most games this year, that's certainly where we start things. Look, as we move our program forward uh, with the sense of pride we have and, and how important it is for us to, to set our, our sights high and continue moving our program forward. We recognize that offensively, you know, it's, it's nice to win a game every now and again, cause you just made so many shots, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's nice to say, Hey, we made 13, 14 threes tonight. Uh, and so we just, you know, we blew the cover off. So we realize that recruiting, Shooting, skill, offensive prowess is really important as we continue to move forward. But what you also find is like in the transfer portal, there's not, you know, there's not much of that out there. So yeah. as much as you can say, what offense are you going to run and how are we going to make things better offensively? We're going to, we're going to try to really focus on the margin, scoring off the offensive glass, scoring off turnovers, scoring at the foul line. But the way we play defense and with the toughness and the pride and the effort that it takes, you can't just come down and shoot quick shots yeah. and spend, you know, 75, 80% of the game playing defense. Your defense and offense have to be in alignment. And right now, this is where we're at as a program, and we're going to continue to win games doing things that way. Kind of reminds me, too, of when, when Campbell got here in football and John Haycock did such a good job with the defense. Like, I found myself as a fan – just being enamored with defense, and that's what I started to study. And, and I've kind of done that over the last year with basketball. And, I, I mean, I look at, like, your front line, and listen, I mean, you these guys might not all be stretch fours, but damn, like, that that's an intimidating front line defensively. And I, I just think – I don't know how many games you'll win. I think you're going to be in a lot of them, though, like, because of the way that this thing is – I mean, then you look at the – I would make an argument that with Kalsher – uh, with Williams and um, with Holmes, you actually might be better defensively even on the perimeter. Uh, I know Brockington was really good, and, and you lose Tyrese, but like I don't, I don't see a huge drop off defensively. In fact, I feel like you'd probably be a better defensive team. Is that your anticipation? Well, we, we certainly, when you start with the front line, we have we have more depth and more bodies, mm-hmm. right? And and that allows you to keep guys fresh. It keep it allows guys to play extremely hard and shorter stints and not have to, you know, play as long a minutes. When you look at defense in the backcourt, a uh, lot of respect for the job that our perimeter did last year. Uh, and at the same time, we've probably got a little more length. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, defensively. So the size that helps certainly, you know, we switch things off ball and in our defensive scheme, having that ability to do that is impactful. Holmes is a very versatile defender, a guy that at times could guard another team's, you know, power forward because of his, his strength and his, you know, just his physical, uh, you know, prowess that he brings. So there's some versatility there defensively for sure. Um, and then, and we're going to continue to, you know, to challenge those guys so that it's, you know, what they've done up to this point individually has been great. But, you know, we need to build that identity defensively and take a lot of pride in 
people not scoring against us, certainly not getting easy baskets, and definitely making it really hard to come in Hilton and feel like you can get anything offensively. You gave some insight to our subscribers last week about at this time last year, Brockington, you didn't have any idea that he was going to be first team all Big 12. So I'm putting you in an unfair position here when I ask you this. If it's September 19th, you haven't even had your first practice yet. If you had to draw up a play right now uh, to win the game, do you have like a guy who you're like, yeah, I want the ball in Holmes's hands or I want the ball in Kalsher's hands. Do you have a guy or is that completely up for debate at this point? Yeah, I think that's something that guys earn on a daily basis. Like you earn the right to, to have that opportunity and then be confident in that moment. Isaiah last year, even as we statted out things in the summer and fall workouts was routinely third or fourth on the team in scoring. Like that's just what it was. And we value pressure in the basketball rebounding uh, and, and, you know, like an offensive command, Isaiah excelled in all three areas. So what happened is more opportunities continued to come his way because he was elite in the areas that we identified as being important to win. So his winning qualities, uh, you know, were, were great. And then what happened is the ball found him more early in the season in those situations, whether it was, you know, the Xavier game where, where he had a tremendous performance uh, or games as we move forward, the Creighton game, the Iowa game. And, and to me, that was something Isaiah earned through his every day, through his habits and his confidence continued to thrive. He'd, he'd never been the leading scorer, even second leading scorer on any team he had ever played on high school AAU. Like he was always a guy that was kind of a third or fourth option. Well, in our program, you know, he was able to thrive for that reason. Well, now, you know, again, you mentioned Holmes and Kelsher. Those are certainly the likely guys uh, for different reasons. You know, Kelsher had some really big performances last year that stand out in my mind. And we need to, to as a coach, I need to figure out how we can draw those uh, experiences that how he played against Wisconsin or Memphis or Texas, some of these games, how do we bring that at night in and night out? And then with Holmes has been a guy that's had that ball and wants the big moment as well. So we'll continue to see how it evolves and that'll be something that's earned over time. Brockington gets a two-way deal uh, with the Pelicans and George Condit got a deal. I, I didn't even know this until last night that he just got a deal with the team in Spain. Is that is that correct? Is it Spain? Uh, Greece. Greece, excuse me. Uh, but that's, I know, a big deal to you to be moving these guys on. That's awesome. Well, the player development's at the forefront of everything we do in our program. We want to make sure that guys, they build the life habits, success skills here, that they can be successful as husbands, fathers, business owners, employees, community members, whatever they choose to be when they leave. And so we want to make sure that we're building those daily habits. When a guy uh, is able to get an opportunity like Isaiah to play in the NBA or to sign a two-way deal, um, and it's it's really special because that's that's something I know is really important to him and the goals he defined when he came in. And to feel like you can come to Iowa State and reach whatever goals you want to achieve and accomplish, that means a lot to me. Um, you look at George Condit, and I, I don't say this to – to, um, you know, anything negative, but like he was a guy who was a backup center on a team the year before that had won two games. Mm -hmm. And now the narrative is he's a starting center 
on a Sweet 16 team. And that narrative is entirely different. And George worked his tail off. He did a great job with Puerto Rico uh, and some of the FIBA basketball. But to be playing in the top division in Greece, like that's a high-level basketball George is playing in that right there. I mean, similar to what guys like Melvin Edgem or Will Clyburn or even Matt Thomas or George Niang, when you're playing in like the highest level uh, in, in a great league in, in Greece, like – Hats off to George for that. So, yeah, we're we're really prideful. Those guys work their butts off and have those type opportunities. Um, looking ahead, last thing I wanted to just touch on here is just your schedule's brutal this year. Not only the Big 12, which is the – I mean, once again, it's going to be the best league in college basketball. Um, but then you've got this tournament out in Portland that is – I mean, absolutely loaded. It's a who's who of blue bloods in college basketball. You've got to go to Iowa this year, so you're on the road in the Cyhawk game. But you had a tough schedule last year, too, and you guys seemed to navigate it very well. I did notice, TJ, a a difference in your non-conference scheduling at home. Fewer SWAC teams. You're playing more Midwestern type of Summit League, um, that that type of a team. You get St. John's in the Big East deal. But your schedule's loaded. I guess get back to the point. How do you navigate that this year? Is that is that a good or a bad thing for this team? How do you recognize it? Well, the challenge is, you know, that that's a schedule built uh, for somebody that, again, you look at your program, and, and as we continue to move our program forward, you know, it's it's a really challenging one. I mean, it's, it's probably going to put us – in the top 10 in the country, uh, provided the Big 12 is as strong as it's been. Um, You know, and for us, when you look at the amount of high major power five games on that schedule, I mean, you're looking at, you start with the best league in America. So you've already got those 18 games built in. Um, You've got the the rivalry with the team across the state. Um, You've got you know, the, the Big East Challenge, SEC Challenge, and now we're playing in literally the best multi-team event in the country. So yeah. where our guys need to be great is understanding that with such a difficult schedule, there's going to be some nights where, you know, you're going to have adversity. You're going to take a loss here and there. And if you can learn from it and be better, that's huge. But it's – I think so many times with young people, confidence – um, they like to, to have success, right? Winning can help breed confidence. I think there's, um, you know, there's such a thing as um, your team, you know, coming together when you have challenges, but you also learn, um, you know, through being successful. And we're going to have to be ready to go from the jump because our schedule's challenging. Um, as you mentioned as well, like we've looked at playing more regional teams uh, in some of those non-conference games, um, you know, more for the reason of, uh, we want our guys playing against teams that, again, the talent is going to be different than what we see in the Big 12, but maybe s- some similarities in the offense and defense and the schemes that are more parallel with what we're going to play against as the year moves on. Uh, some of the teams that we played last year, you're, you're dealing with a lot of zones and presses and things that we don't see as much in league play. So we just, you know, we wanted to look at some opponents that uh, maybe had mirrored more of, of a stylistically what we see in our league, but also, uh, you know, we wanted to play some teams that maybe even elevate those games a little bit, a little higher quality or, or more notable opponent uh, in the non-league as well. The last thing I have for you, and I, knowing you, you probably haven't even thought much about it, but have you thought about the new Big 12? Because you lose Texas and Oklahoma, and no disrespect to those programs, but it is what it is. That, this new Big 12 seems insane 
as far as a basketball league goes. Like, I think it's an upgrade. Again, you lose these brand names, but if you look at what's coming in, I remember that road trip to BYU in the Hoiberg era. I've seen Iowa State play Cincinnati. I mean, this is a brutal, brutal league going forward. Well, if you look at the teams that you're bringing in and what we're losing, I mean, you know, again, even with Oklahoma and Texas, there's certainly been years – um, you know, one way or another, but in general, over the last 10, they've probably been on average a sixth, seventh, yeah. you know, bottom half team. And, and from a basketball standpoint, now you look at bringing in a team like Houston, huh. who's been in the final four and is at the top of their league. And then you bring in, if you look at the last 10 years of Cincinnati, they've been at the top of their league and, and BYU uh, has been, you know, top two or three in the WCC conference every year. And they've consistently been in the tournament. Um, so there's so much strength in the teams that we're adding and we're, you know, at the present time, we're not losing teams that over the last 10 years have been consistently right at the top of our league. So I, I believe it gets stronger and, and, you know, so much is happening every day that is out of the realm of our control. You know, we put trust in our conference commissioner and there's no one I have more faith and trust in than Jamie Pollard. We've got the best athletics director in the country. So wherever this all goes, just know there's always a plan that's, it's a proactive one. It's thoughtful. uh, It's intentional and it's one that's going to put Iowa State in the best position moving forward. So we put our trust in those folks to, to get us there. All right, man. Well, we appreciate your time. Did, uh, did we cover everything? Anything else? That, I mean, you, you're kind of the man here. You, you, any, anybody you need to have grievances with or anything like that here on the pod? I think we're good, man. I think we're good. All right, brother. Thank you for your time. Uh, appreciate it as always. Awesome.